Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Hasn't the Lord been good? Reminds me of a song I know. I'll sing it. If you know it, you can sing too. We'll just sing one time through. Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Hasn't the Lord been good? Done all the things that He said He would. Hasn't the Lord been good? So love God, hate sin, reckon the old man. Uh huh. Love God, hate sin, and by the Spirit be led. Mm-hmm. It's true. The Lord has been good. And He's always going to be good. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Forever. And that's a long time. He's never going to stop loving. He's never going to stop blessing His people. Nope. His forgiveness is from everlasting to everlasting. It is incredible what God does. The more that I think about His grace, the more blown away I am. The more unfaithful that I am, the more blown away I am. I find myself messing up, sinning, not being faithful to God, but He remains faithful to me. Isn't that amazing? Yes, the Lord's blood will not be in vain. He will receive everyone that comes to him. It is not in vain. But it's interesting to note that how much do you think God's blood is worth? Who can buy the blood of the king? No one. So he paid a big price for us, didn't he? And how much will he really get for his investment? Well, he will get salvation for his people, but look at how much he has paid for you. It's like if you pay half a million dollars for a car, that thing better run. And it better run good. And it better have every option imaginable. It better have everything under the sun in that thing. Half a million bucks, that's a lot of money, huh? You expect it to perform. You paid a lot of money for that. My question to you is how much money has God paid for you A trillion dollars? No, more than that. Ten trillion dollars? Nope, he's paid more than that. And how could your car run? What kind of options do you have? You see, I look at my life and say, Father, I'm a 68 Pinto. What are you doing? I got nothing to offer. Nothing. Nothing. This car never runs right. But the Lord chose to buy me. And I am forever grateful. And I will forever serve Him and walk with Him, close to Him, because He's been so good to me. He is worthy of our praise. Isn't that amazing? God laid down all that cash for you. Sometimes you don't feel like worshiping Him. Sometimes you don't feel like serving Him. Sometimes you don't feel like driving for Him. You don't even want to turn on the motor. And he paid a lot of cash. What a great king, huh? He's the greatest king forever. There's no one that comes close to him. No one. His grace is unbelievable. The more you discover it, ah, 
I think it was Spurgeon that said, trying to use up the love of God is like a minnow trying to use up all the waters of the ocean. You can't do it. He has more love than you could ever swim in. More forgiveness, more grace than you can even imagine. And so I praise God for all that he's doing in us, despite us. And uh, we just keep, keep moving forward step by step. Amen. We have one of our family members back from the dead. Uh, just kidding. He wasn't dead. Yeah. You're like, huh? Really? No, no. It's Okay. Um, but uh, Derek Adame, you know, is in Thailand for one month. And uh, he is going to come and share a little bit uh, with us just about his experience and some things that God spoke to him about. Come on, let's give a warm welcome for Derek. Praise Father. Hello. Well, um, thank you for speaking about God's uh, faithfulness, because that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. I just wrote down a few points that uh, God has really spoken to me over this whole trip and uh, just stuff that I learned. Uh, God is faithful and uh, we are humbled. I am humbled by it. Um, I don't know what to really um, explain from my trip other than I'll just explain how it went for me and hopefully it blesses you. Um I hope it does. <laughs> uh, first off is I wasn't focused in the beginning. Um, I I wasn't really involved in any ministry. I didn't really see myself going on a mission trip. But in the summer, my friends went, and I realized, why am I not going? And so I um, decided to get focused and really do everything that I could to to go on this trip. I put a, a little Thailand sticker on my Bible to remind myself every single day that I looked at my Bible. Um, you know, I want to go to Thailand, so I'm going to focus on this every single day. Um, and, you know, I just, you have to have a willing heart. I didn't have a willing heart before. I didn't really think too much of it, and... Um, I just uh, really just gave over my life to the Lord in this trip and planning for it, uh, getting focused, like I said. And I I said, Lord, here I am, just use me. And like Josh said, just a 68 Pinto, uh, not much to work with, but just uh, willing to go anywhere. I, I wrote down, have a willing heart, a, silver, a servant's heart, to go anywhere. I don't have any expectations. Be willing to do anything. Don't be worried to get your hands dirty. And when I think about being willing to do anything and want to do something for the Lord, I always think, like, you're going to face opposition. And even in any journey of life, uh, when we're willing to do something for the Lord, not just missions trips, but whether it be in ministry or school, to move forward for the Lord, you're going to face opposition. And it's really about persevering through that opposition, the Satan's attacks. I can tell you uh, in preparing for this trip, um, 
I was I got really discouraged and I didn't think I was going to go. But uh, the Lord is faithful and he provided. Um, I also wrote down consistent in prayer, um, preparing for a trip. I don't know if any of you are, are planning on going on a trip or have any interest in missions, but if you are, it's, it's really important to be consistent in prayer. Uh, always be praying, praying for others that have like minds as well as you do um, to go on missions because they face the same struggles you do. Um, and, I, and even not just in missions, but maybe in school, praying for others that are in school around you because they go through the same struggles, homework and uh, work, especially if you're a boss. <coughs> Vanessa. <laughs> um, trusting the Lord till the end. Um, I wrote down Philippians 1 6, being confident, the one uh, who began a good work, and you be faithful to finish it to the day of Christ Jesus. Um, you know, just days before my trip, I, um, I didn't have any money to take with me. Like, probably five days before, I didn't have anything. Then I asked this guy, and and many others uh, to pray and what should I do and uh, they ended up doing a fundraiser barbecue for me and most of you were there you were there and uh, <laughs> you know uh, it was just great you know because the Lord has been faithful to provide uh, everything that I needed up to this point except for money to take with me and uh, my friend told me I needed a certain amount to take uh, and I was just hoping to maybe maybe get like half of it or something. Uh, but the Lord was faithful, and um, he provided double. And uh, so when I realized that, I was just so grateful and uh, so humbled by the faithfulness of the Lord. Uh, I was able to bless uh, many families in Thailand. One particular one I was able to bless with a stove and um, uh, cement around their house, which uh, really blessed them uh, because the husband uh, stepped on a landmine in the jungle and he lost his arm and his vision. And the daughter had cerebral palsy and the son was like three. So the mother couldn't really work. And uh, so she had no form of income. And cooking on a charcoal stove was really tough for her. So... Um, by the faithfulness of everybody that gave and prayed, I was able to bless her with that. And uh, it was just a really humbling experience to do that and bless, like, children's homes and different things uh, just because of the faithfulness of giving of you guys. And, um, you know, the, it, these stories are just stories, but, you know, it just really shows the faithfulness of God. Um God is glorified through all this. Um, you know, I did it all over there in the name of Jesus. I worked alongside a guy that did it in the name of himself. Um, and it really made me want to work twice as hard to do it in the name of Jesus, to really go, you know, twice as hard as he is, you know, because our king is worthy of it. Amen? <laughs> um but uh, that's pretty much it. I wrote some verses uh, to give, you know, that reminds us to give uh, 
glory to God for all the work that uh, he does. Um, I don't know if you guys are interested in uh, missions. Maybe you are, uh, maybe you're not. But uh, if you are, you can come talk with me and discuss it more, uh, not in front of a mic. Um, you probably get more out of me. And, uh, but yeah, you know, one, I, just the greatest thing that I learned is God is still God and we are still not. And God is faithful and we are humbled. Um, it's pretty simple. You go out there and you see the faithfulness of God firsthand. You know, you just show a little bit of faith and God will show you his great faithfulness, just like it says in his word. You know, his promises are true. And uh, that's all I can say. You know, God is faithful. So now that uh, here, I'm going to do an interview. Are you ready? It's great. <laughs> interview okay, Derek. So uh, I mean, now that you're back, you know, from Thailand, one month spent there. And what did did it feel like a long time? At the time, it did. But now I'm back, and I wake up in the morning thinking, what just happened? Uh, it seems like unreal that I was able to be used and got to see the things I saw. Yeah, I mean, uh, isn't it incredible, like I talk about all the time, just when you go into another country, how your eyes are kind of opened and broadened and you recognize how nice we live. And I mean, just tell them about the money situation. And Oh, okay. Well, one example, <laughs> you know, like I said, you know, the Lord provided double what I thought I needed and I was able to bless many people but the food out there is so cheap um, you buy food for like a dollar you know food like Thai food it's really good like a full meal like a full meal for a dollar yeah um, I bought a pineapple I bought four of them 30 cents each it's like a dollar something I went into Albertsons the other day they were dollar forty nine a pound <laughs> I, I didn't buy them I didn't buy them and, um, I mean, what about the, the lives that people live? I mean, maybe just talk about, you know, just watching people out there in the world compared to the way that we live here. Mm. Uh, I would say, like, more towards the jungle area, away from the city, it's more simple life. People just live to kind of, well, the Korean people, they live, they glorify God every morning. They, they eat. They, uh, you know, it's really, it's just simple. They don't put a value on many things, but just the typical things to survive. Talk about um, the tithe, the tithe in the church, how the people gave to the Lord. Um, are you ask? Remember with the, uh, they bring their first fruits, they bring. Oh, okay. On one particular church, it was, uh, it was in Sunkleberry. They they all brought their first fruits. So there was like a couple of chickens in a bag. There was sugar cane. There was these big vegetables. Just and they brought them to the altar and then they auctioned them off to the people. Yeah, I mean they literally brought their first fruits. I mean unto the Lord, you know they they bring what they grow and what they have on their land. Chickens, can you imagine? I mean it's just incredible. But um, 
what would you, I mean, what, how would you just exhort the people, I mean, in, in, in going or, uh, if they're thinking about going, I mean, what, what do you think? Well, if you're thinking about going, I would say pray, um, for at least two missionaries. If you don't know any, just look them up and you'll find some, but be consistent in prayer, um, and seeking the will of the Lord, uh, where he would have you go. And don't just say Africa because everybody always just says Africa. Um, I don't know why, but it's weird. So so do, you, so do you think that everyone should go on a mission trip at least once? Yeah, you know, it, it really opens your eyes to see how America is in a bubble. And, uh, you know, there's just so much more to see. And uh, you see God's faithfulness when you... To show a little bit of faith to go anywhere and be willing to do anything. So will you go on a mission trip again? Yeah, before the year's over, hopefully. Amen, before the year's over. Let's give a hand for Derek. Huh? Let's praise God. Thanks, brother. You know, I can't, I can't exhort you enough, family, to get out of this place, okay? If you can, which the majority of you can, probably like 95% of you can, no, I can't. Yes, you can. Um, you really can. You can do it if you so desire. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you, you can just you can stay in this bubble for the rest of your life. You know, you really can. I mean, it's so easy to do that, and you just you don't even recognize the simple things of life. Like, I mean, just the simple ways of living in life. I mean, when I lived in Mexico for four months, I mean, it was just incredible to see how simple that we lived. Um, seeing the people there in the town, there's a hundred people in the town near us called Hido. And uh, the Hido, yes. And we would go and visit with the people. And I'm telling you, you want to know what they lived in? I remember the people right around the corner from us lived in half, a trailer cut in half. It didn't even have four walls. It had one wall open, and um, you walk in dirt floor, and they have this little uh, hot stove, this piece of metal that they just kind of throw stuff in, and it just heats up, and um, the kid's running around with no shoes on, you know, and just, um, there is no shower. The thing is literally probably as big, it was probably, uh, let's see, right here, maybe to like right here, and then right over here, and that's about it, and here's the little room right here. And there's just a bed right here and then a stove right here, and that's it. And uh, there's four in that family. Four in that family. And we were able to bless them at Christmas time. Me and the guys who I was living with, we pulled all this money together, and we had about 200 bucks. And um, we were to bless them. And uh, we were told that that will pay uh, for all of their food. Um, I think it was for a couple months or something like that. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what we were able to bless with the small amount of money. The lady was just, I mean, in tears. You know, she couldn't believe it. We could barely even communicate. I can't speak Spanish. You know, we're just like, uh, here you go, you know, uh, just re receive it, you know. like. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, we just went over there and just loved on them. And how, that's the best we could do. But I just, I can't believe it. I mean, the the... We spend that on a pair of jeans, you know. I mean, it's like it, it's it's incredible 
the way our society lives and the way the rest of the world lives and how poor people are and how rich we are. And it, the more you travel, the more your mind goes, it builds this way. When you read books, your mind builds this way. Okay. When you go and travel, your mind grows. I'm telling you this way. It, it grows and, and your horizon just opens up. Wisdom comes like that. It's incredible. I don't know how to explain it to you. Those of you who have been in other places and traveled and uh, just lived there for a, just a while. I mean, you just you understand. But I would encourage you with all of my heart as best I can. I mean, I just I just love it. Derek just said, raised his hand and said, I'll do it, Lord. And he went. It's that simple. And so if God may be calling you, then go in the name of Jesus. Go ASAP. Father, I pray that you would convict the hearts and that you would penetrate and that even now your spirit would touch those that need to go. Lord, you've not called us just to live comfortable lives. We don't have much time. You've called us to minister to your people throughout the world. You've called us to further your kingdom, to lay down our lives for it. Please help us, Lord. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was just reading a um, an article, which I used up at a camp I taught this last weekend. Five out of ten Christians don't know who taught the Sermon on the Mount, they say. And two out of ten Christians will not... Only two out of ten Christians said they would suffer for the gospel. Wow. That's a crazy statement. Only two out of ten. And when we look at the apathy of the church today, it's probably true. I mean... I really want you guys to be asking yourselves, what am I doing for God right now in my life? What do you do? What are you doing? What do you do? How are you furthering his kingdom? I love thinking about God as a king, if you haven't noticed. I love thinking about a kingdom that is established, his kingdom, and that it is even here on earth, and that this kingdom has soldiers and peasants and those who need to be trained up and taught and then sent outside the city walls of the kingdom to go and take over the world. And I don't know if you've noticed this already, but I cannot, I can't stand not doing something for God, not moving in the name of Christ. I can't stand keeping my sword tucked in. Can't do it. And my mission for the rest of my life, and hold me to it, if you see me 10 years from now, not walking with God, you come and look me in the face, say, John, Josh, you said one time that you would lay down your life for the kingdom. 
And it is my goal and my vision for the rest of my life to take as much territory on this earth for God. To literally establish castles around the world and take over entire cities for the kingdom of God. That's what I want to see. I would love to go from city to city to city conquering in the name of Christ. Walking in with my sword drawn on my horse. Owning fools. Charging with all of my might. And after you take over a city, you train up a bunch of shoulders and teach them them to take over an entire city as well. And then they go to the next city and take it over. And they train up soldiers to take over the next city. And they train up cities and take it over. Train up soldiers and take it over. Yeah. Train up cities. Entire armies. That's my vision. That is my direction and that is my goal. It starts, it starts here. There are many of you that will walk with God all the days of your life. And with a room this size, there are many of you that will not walk with God your whole life. I have many close friends who have walked away from the Lord. You say, not me, Josh. Don't say that. Say like the disciples, is it I? Is it me, Lord, who will betray you? Is it me? God forbid. I was driving out to a pastor's conference this morning and driving back from it. I had to do some work out there. And I was asked the question, Josh, what two men in the Bible do you think brought God the greatest glory? In the Old Testament, who? Who do you think brought God the greatest glory? Or had lives completely turned towards God, trying to give Him glory? I said, I think Joseph and Daniel are the two that I can think of. Joseph, a man who would not compromise. Not even one inch in his life. The man is blameless. There's literally no point where you can really dogmatically point the finger in his life and say he was wrong there. He seemingly lives a perfect life for God. And God raises him up to do what? Take over a nation. And that nation bows to his God because of his faithfulness. Daniel, the same thing who purposed in his heart to be set apart for God and would not compromise even an inch and was what? Raised up and exalted in his nation and he too was exalted to a place where the people ended up bowing to his God. What did those boys have in common? They purposed in their heart that they would not turn from God. They would not. All the days of their lives, they would not do it. And I'm telling you that the one thing that has to happen in our lives now, as young people, you got a purpose in your heart. You need to make decisions that I will never stop chasing God for the rest of my life. You need to make decisions in your own heart 
that would say, I will not compromise. I can't do it, Captain. I will not compromise. You've got to make decisions where you say, I'm going to raise my kids in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to pray with them daily. I am going to teach them the word daily. I'm going to raise my family in the ways of the Lord. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that means many of you single people now need to find a mate that loves God as much as you do and that is in tra- on track and focused in the way that you are to raise your kids and your family in the ways of the Lord. you understand? You've got a purpose in your heart now. And if you don't, you cannot bring God glory. Chuck Smith said today at the pastor's conference that God cannot use many men, even pastors, because of their sin. Joseph, nope, would not defile himself. You remember? His boss's wife came in, got naked and said, have sex with me. What did Joseph do? He ran out. He ran. How do I... How do I Stop lusting. How do I stay away from sexual temptation? Run! That's how you do it. You run. You run, you run, you run. you got a purpose in your heart. Daniel would not bow his knee to any other God. There's no way he's compromising. No way. You've got a purpose in your heart. That's what it takes. We're going to look at a text tonight where compromise almost comes. In the nation, but a prophet steps in and stops it. Let's go before Father and ask Him to bless Him. Oh Lord, God help us. Father, is it I that will betray You? Please, Father, forbid it all the days of my life. Handcuff me close to You, where I will never be able to wander far from You. Father, help me never to embarrass Your kingdom. Lord, to fall in the eyes of the people. That I would be ashamed of Your Gospel because I do not live it. Please, Lord, keep Your servant close to You. Let this prayer not be in vain. And God, I pray for these people here tonight that they would not compromise even an inch. That they would make decisions in their lives now that would raise a godly generation and take over this entire city of Riverside. Please, Lord. It's only going to work through you and you alone. You've got to allow it. Your sovereign hand has got to lay your hand on it. Come down and touch it. And make it right. We lay our lives at your feet tonight and ask you to purge our hearts, to prick us, to startle us, to change us. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 18, if you have your Bibles. Isaiah. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is what? The mini Bible. Do you remember? The mini Bible. Why do they call it the mini Bible? Hey, because it has 66 chapters in it. And how many books does the Bible have in it? Wow, 66. And we know how many chapters, I'm sorry, how many books in the Old Testament? 39, yes, 39. And how many in the New Testament? 27, yes. 
Somebody told me just not too long ago an interesting way to remember that. Just remember 39. Just remember 39. You don't have to remember 27. Just remember 39 in the Old Testament. Why? Because 3 times 9 is 27. Or you could do the subtraction if you'd like from 66 books. But if you can't remember 66 and you can't remember 27, just remember 39. Because 3 times 9 is 27. When you add 39 and 27, you get 66 books. Piece of cake. 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And this is a man, Isaiah, who is a radical prophet, remember? This guy walks around naked for three years, preaching to the nation. Yeah, stark naked. (laughs) I mean, talk about crazy. Josh, go to Israel, walk around. Uh, Father, I, I think I'm not your guy. Um, but he walked around preaching the word of God in truth and in holiness. He proclaimed the truth. Judgment for 39 chapters. Yep. Drops the hammer. Just like the Old Testament, the law. Brings the law down. But then there, chapter 39, something changes there in chapter 40. The grace and the love and the mercy of God starts to come for 27 chapters. Interesting. The mini-Bible. Just like the New Testament, 27 books, the grace and mercy and love of God revealed from heaven. Amazing. Jesus Christ, our King. The mini Bible, we've been looking at judgment upon judgment upon judgment, and this book is definitely random. Um, Definitely a book that I haven't been able to completely understand yet. I'm telling you the truth. As I read through it, it jumps from moment to moment and subject to subject. I can't see the rhythm to this rhyme yet. I'm not sure about the method to this madness. Because, I mean, the book opens up with a big slap in the face to Israel. You wicked people, you turn from your God who loves you, calls out to you, takes care of you. God says, you offer sacrifices, but I don't care because you don't care. Your heart is not turned towards me. He says, because you do that, I'm not even going to hear your prayers anymore. Game over. What if God told you that one day? Not going to hear your prayers anymore. Careful. That's a scary day. But then all of a sudden you see prophecy come forth of Messiah. Then you see prophecy about the millennial reign and the millennial kingdom one day. Thousand year reign. That's in the future. And then you see judgment after judgment upon nation. It's just random. And tonight we look at the judgment or a woe to, I believe it's Ethiopia. Yes. And so I'm going to read through this. It's only seven verses. And I just want you to see there is one big point um, that seems to come forth that you just can't run from. I'm going to read it in the King James and kind of explain it. And then I'm going to read the NLT version, just so you can listen to it and not read with me. Okay, look at Isaiah chapter 18, verse 1. Are you there? Uh Uh-huh. It says, Woe to the land shadowing with wings. Stop there. Woe to the land shadowing with wings. What does that mean? 
You know, some people try to compare this chapter to America. Yeah. And they try to say it's for America, which, I mean, I just heard, I read a commentator argue against it, and I don't know, people like to jump on prophecy as quickly as they can and stretch it to fit anything. So you got to be careful with it. Um, now, there is a time and a place, and God has definitely put prophecy in the Bible for a reason, to show us the future, but someone will take that verse right there, you see that? Woe to the land shadowing with wings. Woe to the land shadowing with wings. What does that have to do with America? Something with an eagle, a bald eagle, you know, it's like, woe to the land shadowing with wings. I mean, come on. The land shadowing with wings, what this is referring to is Egypt. Ethiopia is there in south, the south side of Egypt in this time. And... If you've been to Egypt, you know that there is what everywhere? Bugs. Flies. Yes. Still to this day. Actually, I didn't remember it when I was there, and then somebody brought it up. I think it was Jay, Jason Martin, when he was here. He was like, you don't remember? I'm like, what? Dude, there's flies and bugs everywhere there. It was just, and, I, and it, now that I think about it, really, I mean, yeah. Bugs everywhere. Interesting. Shadowing with wings. I wonder if it's still from the plague way back in the day. I don't know. I can't say that. I don't want to say that. It was fun being there. Um, Dahab is a beautiful place. I'd encourage you to go check that out. For vacation spot. Mm-hmm. A little dangerous. You be careful. But uh, it was good times. You know, we saw the pyramids. We saw the museum. Uh, went to Cairo. Went to Dahab and stayed there. It was good times. But Egypt, um, this is what it's talking about, the place that shadows with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, that sendeth ambassadors by the sea, okay, that sends their people by sea or by the river, something, it's a Nile River it's talking about, and um, they send ambassadors by sea, even in vessels of brushels upon the waters, these boats made of um, some type of bush, okay, saying, Go ye swift messengers to a nation scattered and peeled, to a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth see ye where he lifteth up and in sign on the mountains where he bloweth a trumpet hear ye. He's saying, listen up, where God waves a flag. Listen up, you nations. God's blowing a trumpet. Listen up. Isaiah is about to prophesy the bad news. He says, for the Lord said in verse 4 unto me, I will take my rest and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon herbs and like a cloud or dew in the heat of the harvest. He references to this, the heat of the day for some reason here, which I wasn't able to make the, the clear connection, but you'll see it. In uh, the NLT, it's a little clear. But for uh, for uh, for the harvest, verse five, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he shall both cut off the sprigs and pr- with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches, and they shall be left together into the fowls of the mountains, into the beasts of the earth, and the fowls that shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. In that time 
Shall the present be brought unto the Lord's hosts of people scattered and peeled from a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden underfoot, whose land and rivers have spoiled, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount of Zion. Now what he's basically saying with all this, it sounds like poetry and it sounds really thick and deep. Um, but what he's basically coming down to and showing is that this, the Jews are about to make a treaty. The Ethiopians have come down to make a treaty with the Jews. Why? To come and fight against the Assyrians. Okay, The Assyrian nation was one of the strongest and most wicked nations there in that time. And they're coming to hey, join forces. It's like, say, Brandon coming from Anaheim uh, out there, and I say I was running Riverside here, and I said, hey, Brandon, the, uh, the Temecula people are coming to attack. Join forces with me. Um, join forces with me. We need to come together as allies. Now, Isaiah is warning against. He's saying, do not come together with them. For God will cut them down. God will take care of them. Do not come together with a treaty, with some type of bond. And God warns many times in the Old Testament for nations not to come together and uh, make a bond with any other nation, especially worldly ones, unless God is insisting and God is giving favor on it. But there is no compromise there. That is not supposed to happen. They are not supposed to come together. Now, I want to, I want to read the New Living Translation, and I just want you to listen to what it's saying, okay? Just listen to the story so we can kind of get this ingrained. It says here in verse 1, again, Destruction is certain for the land of Ethiopia. Do you hear that? Destruction is certain. He says, woe to Ethiopia. When the word woe comes, you know that destruction is coming. Or some, this is some big kind of warning. Check this. Get ready. Destruction is certain for the land of Ethiopia, which lies at the headwaters of the Nile. Its winged sailboats glide along the river, and ambassadors are sent in fast boats down the Nile. Go home, swift messengers. Here it is, Isaiah saying to the Ethiopians, Go home, God speaking. Take a message to your land divided by rivers, to your tall, smooth-skinned people who are feared far and wide for their conquest and destruction. When I raise my battle flag on the mountain, let all the world take notice. When I blow the trumpet, listen. For the Lord has told me this. This is what the Lord said. I will watch quietly from my dwelling place, as quietly as the heat rises on a summer day, or as the dew forms on an autumn morning during the harvest. Even before you begin your attack, while your plans are ripening like grapes, the Lord will cut you off as though with pruning shears. He will snip your spreading branches. Even before you begin to attack, it says in verse 5, Verse 6, your mighty army will be left dead in the fields for the mountain birds and wild animals to eat. The vultures will tear at corpses all summer. The wild animals will gnaw at the bones all winter. Why all that? Let me finish and I'll explain. But the time will come when the Lord Almighty will receive gifts from this land divided by rivers, from this tall, smooth-skinned people who are feared far and wide for their conquest and destruction, they will bring the gifts of the Lord Almighty in Jerusalem, the place where His name dwells. 
So basically this treaty here that's about to happen is to be rejected because God is going to fight for his people. God will take care of it. That's all that it's saying. Do not make ties. Do not compromise. Do not make a bond or any kind of decree sent forth with this nation. Why? Because God will fight for you. You don't need another army, Josh. You don't need someone else to help. Now, how does this apply in our lives? How can we take this right now? Do you know that Israel doesn't need anyone's help? Even right now, they don't need America. No. But I believe God is blessing us because we bless them. But Israel does not need us, for God governs that nation, despite the fact they are turned from Him. You know what Israel, the word Israel means? Governed by God. Israel means governed by God. They are governed by God. And they don't need us. They don't need, they don't need the U.S. I remember I bought a shirt from uh, Israel when I was living there. It said something like, uh, don't worry America, Israel's got your back. <laughs> it's hilarious, huh? And it's true. That's really the way that it's working right now. Hey, when God's on your side, you don't need allies. God will fight for you in the situation that you are in. It is amazing to me how people will go and receive advice from people who don't know God. Huh? Yeah, what are you doing? Well, Oprah has some really good advice. Interesting. I'm sure she does. But my question is, is it biblical? I'm sure your friends are being good friends. But the question is, is it biblical? Okay? Let this be something you take note of for the rest of your days. That God's Word is the best counsel for your life. And for you to link shields with anyone and to come together and compromise in any situation, you're headed for destruction. This applies on so many levels, does it not? We can talk about being unequally yoked on so many different levels. Your friends. You become the people you hang around with. You know that? You know they're apathetic Christians. Did you know that? I don't hang around with apathetic Christians because I don't want to be like them. That's it. I hang around with guys who are motivated, who want to serve God. That's who I want to be around. I'm not going to yoke myself. If somebody wants to come and hang with my crew, they can. But I'm not going to hang out with theirs. It's a waste of time. I yoke myself and I create allies with people who love God, who are seeking His face. Now, I can't run from my family. God has placed me in that world. That's the world I was born into. And I get to be a light. Guess what? My little brother, Jesse Carl Thompson, is coming to visit me this Friday. He's coming to the well. 
I'm so excited. I praise God. I can't believe it. You know, my little brother, I'm leading worship this week at the well. If you don't know what the well is, it's a uh, study here on Friday nights at Harvest Christian Fellowship. It's the college study, and I get to teach there and lead worship there. And I'm leading worship there, and my brother's coming because it's my dad's birthday this week. What's the date today? 17? It's 17? i got to call my dad. <laughs> it's his birthday today. <laughs> Dang, Father, forgive me. <sighs> but we're going to see Dad. We're going to see Dad on Saturday. We're going to see Dad on Saturday, and uh, we as a family are going to hang out. When me and my family get together, we have a blast. My dad and my two brothers. I have two younger brothers. I'm the oldest. And when we get together, it is the most awesome time. You guys would love my brothers. You love my dad, too. He's, all these guys, just really easy to get along with, just a breeze. Um, Jacob, my middle brother, is a very interesting guy. Uh, he's a middle child. Like, what's wrong with the middle child? Nothing. No, he's great, man. He He's just the nicest kid, man. He's just so he's that nice, really nice guy that would never even hurt an ant. I remember when we caught a catfish one time, we were camping with my grandparents. It was sitting in the bucket and we were about to you know, when you when you catch a fish you gotta kill it. And the way that you kill it at this cleaning station, at this campground, is with a club. And so you put the fish on the concrete. Smash! It's over, baby. And then you flay it. Right, Brett? Yeah, that's what you do. Uh, if you have a hammer, it's even faster, you know? Just one smack. And so my brother knew this was going to happen, my middle brother Jacob, and he walks over and my grandpa catches him petting the fish. Uh huh. Yeah, petting the fish. And my pops is like, Jacob, what are you doing? He's petting the fish. You know, he's like, so sad it's going to die. That's Jacob, okay? Now Jesse, my youngest brother, Jacob's the, he's the funny one, and uh, and he's a computer programmer slash uh, he gets paid to play video games, yeah, uh huh, and test phones out and all that stuff, yeah. Sony hired him. He actually just lost his job, but that's what he uh, specializes in. That's what he has a uh, a little degree in and stuff. But that's Jacob, and then uh, Jesse, the youngest, is like. Well, let me explain. Jacob, he can just make friends because everybody loves the guy. He's just the most nicest. You know, he just pets fish. You know, he's the, ni- <laughs> he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. You just love him. And then Jesse, the youngest, is louder than I am, believe it or not. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, I, I. The way that I, I, I don't know, when I look at my brother, I think that he is double what I am. Anything that I am, he is twice as good. And twice whatever that is. Stubbornness, he's twice as stubborn. Loud, he's twice as loud. Friends, he'll make twice as many friends. Sports abilities, twice as good. Uh, music abilities, twice as good. Um, he's incredible. Everything he does t- touches the gold. He's only 22 years old. Um, he bought a four-bedroom house out in uh, 
Nevada. He has his own office. He's an engineer, um, and he designs trusts and do all this stuff for this big trust company. And uh, he just worked his way up. He, um, he, he didn't even have his high school diploma just till uh, a little while ago. And he got into the construction business. He learned Spanish on the job site. And uh, he started running the job sites, hitting you know wood, uh, framing. And then uh, he got hired on and learned all the programming and, and how to build the trust and, and um, doing all the engineering. And he's just incredible. He taught me to play guitar. And uh, he taught me how to worship the Lord. But he's, he's walked away from the Lord the past few years, maybe for like four years. He hasn't been walking with God. And just recently, his heart has been open like never before to the things of the King. And I get to lead worship this week, and he gets to come. And uh, he'll be there. He has a baby now. He's been married for like two years or so. And um, he's going to come, and the baby will be there, and his wife will be there. And my prayer, my greatest prayer is that the first strum, as soon as we start celebrating God, that the glory of God would fall from heaven upon him in the most powerful way. He's never seen me lead worship. He's seen me teach lots of times, and he gets convicted all the time. As stubborn as he is, twice as stubborn as me. That's pretty stubborn, man. (laughs) But as soft as he is, he's twice as soft as me. And if the Lord speaks to his heart, he'll cry. He'll start bawling his eyes out. And so I'm so excited to see the great work that the Lord's going to do. This is a bond that I cannot break. I can't let go of it. He is my blood. And I will die bringing him close to God. I can't break that friendship. And I hope that you would change your heart wherever you're at with your family. You've got to get past that. You've got to work hard to minister to your family. It's the hardest. The hardest it is the hardest ministry field. Look at how many people I get to minister to on a weekly basis. How many Bible studies I've been able to teach and help establish and get going. I, it's incredible. My own family won't listen to me. But the doors are opening slowly as I have prayed and cried out to God. I will go to tears for my family time and time again if I start thinking about those things because I want them to seek God so bad. But this is a bond that will never be broken and a place that God has placed me in that there is no need for compromise. I can't. What am I going to do? Go party with my brother? You're not hanging out with the world when you're with your family. You're ministering to them. You're loving on them. You're walking close to them. It's the world God has placed you in. You don't act out with them. But yep, I go to all the family parties there in Vegas and there is beer and alcohol everywhere and I'm there. And I've been asked to have a beer over a hundred times. No, I'm good. And guess who is the one that they call when mother-in-law's liver goes out because she's been drinking just two weeks ago. Yes, my brother Jesse calls me. Josh, we need you to pray. And I pray.
And I prayed with him right on the phone. And the doors are opening. And I guarantee when I go to Vegas again that I might be able to lay hands on his mother-in-law now and pray for her and minister to her. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be praying for your family. You've got to go big. But anywhere else in your life, no compromise. None. You cannot make ties where they don't need to be. Do we need to analyze our lives, family, right now? We need to check the territory that we hang out in. We need to see who we have ties with. God is warned specifically against making ties with the enemy. God says you don't need that. I am your protector, your provider. I am the one who will be there for you all the days of your life. You don't need anyone else. One place that every single one of us here in this room need to get to, if you haven't already gotten there, is where you recognize you are by yourself and you recognize you don't need anyone but God. It's a difficult place to get to. But when you get there, when you are broken to that degree, and you recognize, you know what, Father? I could live with you and walk with you all the days of my life, just me and you. When you get to that point, that's when you start laying down your life for God. I truly believe it. Because there is no person, there is no place, there is nothing that you are attached to that you would not lay down your life for God. And that is where you must get to, every single one of us. It's a difficult place to be. I remember when it happened. It struck me when I was in Mexico. I was out there by myself, walking around the desert, <laughs> off on my own for a few hours. I used to do crazy stuff out there. I won't I can't share with you, but I just just I just did things that I would never singing, I mean, shouting at the top of my lungs, you know, just like clapping to God, getting on my knees. And I mean, just the most random things before God. But what I found is that he met me there in powerful, powerful, powerful ways. And there were multiple times there in the desert. I'm a people guy, man. I love being around people. And when I even left Riverside to go live in Mexico, I was, I was crying because I didn't want to miss out on your guys' lives and so many people's lives. I just wanted to be a part of what's going on. I was going to miss everyone so much. I'd never been away from society. I'd never been away from the party and whatever's going on. I was always there. What had happened, I was going to leave it all. And I was going to miss out on everything. And I was going to be by myself. I don't know anyone out there. I went out there by myself. And there are multiple times when I was brought to a point where I said, Father... I'm standing on dirt right now. I have nothing with me except for the clothes on my back. And I feel perfectly in place in my life right now. And I don't need anything else. This is efficient right here. This is sufficient. If I never have anyone or anything for the rest of my life, right here in your presence is plenty. We, as a family, need to be brought to that point. Why? 
Because if we are not brought to that point, we will find ourselves compromising and tagging up with people. It's not needed. The fastest way to get away from God is to hang out with someone who does not serve God. Being yoked with them. You know the difference? Being in the world and ministering to the world. You've got to do that at your workplace. But being yoked with them. Compromising with them. On all levels. Careful. It is the word of the Lord. There are so many different levels of being yoked. And that is just one of them. Do not compromise. God is saying loud and clear to the nation. Do not compromise. Joseph would not compromise. Daniel would not compromise. Not even a small agreement. It's the word of the Lord for the chapter. What time is it? Hmm. When I look at this group, you know, things that I always wonder is that what each one of you are called to be doing. You know what my my job is as a minister? It's to help you figure out what you're supposed to be doing. You know what the job of a coach is? To look into his team and see who best plays a lineman. Who's the best for a wide receiver? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who has leadership qualities and can be a quarterback? Yeah. Who's to be doing what? And I'm telling you that the greatest burden that is on my heart is to see a people that do not know what they should be doing. And I come here saying to this to you tonight because the more that you find yourself sitting throughout the week as single people, not doing the work of the Lord, the more you will find yourself miserable. There's a guy that comes to my mind right now as I'm saying that. This guy, his name is Don, runs a full business himself. I'm sorry, he's a manager for a business. It's a nice house, fun toys. He is an usher at the church. He runs the surf ministry at Harvest. And he's got a family to raise. Not only that, not only is he doing those three things, he's got a full-time job, again, providing for his family. He's ushering all the time at Harvest. He runs a surf ministry 
and he has a family. That's a lot of ministry. But he's just come up to my boss, Mike, and asked him, I know uh, Greg Laurie's going to be doing something on Thursday nights down in Irvine. It's going to happen in a couple weeks. I'll be going down mm-hmm. there as well. And he comes and asks and says, hey, can I come and serve in any way on Thursday nights? I'd love to bless you guys. He called up Mike asking if he could go down there and usher or do anything just to help out. Again, he's not single, full-time job, family, usher, runs a surf ministry, and now he wants to do more. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? I wish, I, I mean, it's the scariest thing, but I like, I just want to take the microphone to everybody's mouth. What are you doing? Uh, uh, um, well, I read my Bible. That's good. Okay. I like to pray. Okay, praying is good. Praying is good. What are you doing? Don't waste your life. That's the word of the Lord for us. If you need help figuring out what you need to be doing, I would just encourage you to start doing anything. I don't know what my gifting is. Do something. Well, what what should I do? Go up to any pastor at your church and say, what can I do to serve you? I will do anything. Anything, any place, anywhere, I'd love to serve you. Okay. Why don't you be an usher? Why don't uh, you do children's ministry? That's not my gifting. Wait a minute. You don't even know what your gifting is. Get busy and do something for the kingdom of God. You've got to figure it out. Don't you think this is like, why do you think that I, why do you think all this has happened in my life? Like, analyze my life. How did all this happen? Why are we in a coffee shop on Tuesday nights? Like, what, like, how do the things that happen in my life happen? Well, Josh, you have, like, what is it? Every time I just say, um, that needs to be done, so I just do it, you know? Like, can we talk just real practical things right now? Like when you're at a ministry and you see people doing stuff, I just start doing whatever they're doing. If people start setting up chairs, then I run to set up chairs. It's not rocket science. Um, You walk up and ask, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, you're there and available all the time. Mm-hmm. Some people want so badly to get involved, but it doesn't work with their work schedule. You know? Well, so what do I do, Josh? You change your work schedule. What? If someone offered me a job that would compromise my walk, I'll never take it. You can't pay me enough money. 
Yeah, but if you work on Sundays, you'll make this much more. Nope. Can't pay me enough money. Somebody just offered me a job. I make $40,000, $50,000 as a youth pastor out in another state. Yeah. Not going to do it. My ministry is here. Why would I do that? Yeah, but it's such a good move, you know. For, really? You see, my life is not my own. I don't live for Josh Thompson any longer. I don't get to make decisions for my life anymore. I have to serve God. What He says to do, that's what I do. And until you figure that out, you will not do anything for the kingdom of God because something in your life will always get in the way. I mean, I remember I had a close friend to me who's not walking with the Lord now, but I remember when he used to say, I will quit this job if you make me work on a Wednesday or a Sunday. He tells boss, I have to be at church. He was a hard worker, one of the best workers there, so he could talk like that. You need to think practically within your own life Because this time will pass by faster than you can even blink. And you will lose the opportunity to bless God because of whatever reason. You can always find a reason not to serve God. There's no reason good enough. No reason good enough. No reason good enough. you got to figure that out in your own life, family. It just, it, it blows my mind when... You know, people say like I'm moving away. Have you prayed about that? Um, but it, I got a great job coming. Okay. Um, do you know what church you're going to be going to? Well, but it's just a great opportunity. Who cares? What about your spiritual walk with God? You must put God, seek ye first the kingdom of what? Heaven, not seek ye first the kingdom of Josh Thompson. No, and not your kingdom either. You seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then everything will be added unto you. I love my life. I'll live it another hundred years. And so... After all this talk about Isaiah and compromise, and for some reason, the word of the Lord needs to come forth, what are you doing? I really believe in you guys. And I really feel like this group is different, okay? People ask me all the time, so what's the temperature of Tuesday night Bible study? Well, I kick him in the chest every week. And they come back for more, so I don't get it. I don't think they come for the coffee, I don't think. or me. 
They listen to me preach for an hour and a half. I mean, I don't know how they do it. I believe in you guys. I know that there's something going on deep within your hearts more than ever, but I so choose to see your hearts burn with passion and with fire like you have never seen within your own life. It takes sacrifice for the kingdom of God. You figure out your life. I'll figure out mine. And we will conquer this city. We will conquer place by place for the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're working for, right? What is your job? Yeah, I'll close with this. Yeah. I was talking with my buddy the other day. And we were just talking about how when guys walk up to each other, the first one of the first things they always ask when uh one of the first things, yeah, one of the first things they always ask when they go up to greet one another is what? What do you do? Right? Like you say, Hi, how's it going? You talk to him, of course, you introduce yourself, and then the, the question that comes all the time is, So what do you do? And each man I don't know what the girls do. What do the girls do? Yeah. That's right. That's it. That's exactly it. Oh my God. No, they do this. Ah, so good to see you. They jump around. You know, it's like a party like goes off every time girls meet each other, you know? Isn't that true? Yeah, it's like celebration time, huh? What if guys did that? Brandon, me and you, you know, we walk up and we start doing the whole like slap fingers and all that and like, you know, we smile and we get all happy and be like, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, but guys, they say, you know, what do you do? And it almost defines who they are right there in that moment. Like if I say, I don't, I wouldn't say I do plumbing. I would say I am a plumber. Right? Um, I don't explain to you what I do. I just tell you who I am. And it defines me very quick. I'm a general contractor. That means, every man knows that means you build houses or you oversee a construction site. I'm a computer programmer. I'm a tennis player. I'm a DJ. I don't know. I'm a musician. They define themselves with an occupation. And the reason why that comes to mind is when I ask you, what do you do? Or what are you doing? I hope the first thing would not come to your mind. That is your occupation or material job here on this earth. But the first thing that would come to your heart every time, I'm a Christian. That's who I am and that's what I do. I'm a servant of the living God. I further His kingdom. That's what I do. Huh? You say that to somebody, wouldn't that be funny? Hey man, how you doing? Good. What's your name? 
Oh, Josh, Josh Thompson. Nice to meet you. Oh, Joey. Nice to meet you, Joey. So what do you do, man? Oh, I'm a, you know, electrician, you know. And So, Josh, what do you do? Um, I'm a Christian, man. Oh, that's cool. That's your religion. You know, that's like, yeah, that's your... No, no, that's what I do. That is my occupation. I live for God. I eat it all day. I breathe it all day. I think about it all the time. That is what I do. And that is a Christian. And that is what you are to be doing. And then all the other options in life, the little tent-making things that you have to do in order to succeed, and the things that God has blessed you with and encouraged you in, Love it. If you're a painter, paint for God, you know? If you're a runner, run for God. If you make money, make it for God. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Because that is who you are. You need to redefine yourself. Because when you do that, you'll find yourself busy doing just that. Busy about the things of God. Because that's who you are, right? That's what you do. And if you're a plumber, hey, then you plumb. If you're a Christian, it's not your religion. That's your life. Father, please help these. Lord, it is my greatest desire to see your kingdom lifted up. God, show us your glory. I I would love to see you pull back the sky king and just... Show the masses in an instant. And you say, Josh, I did. I did it on the cross. And I say, you're right, Father. And so, Father, I ask that you would show your glory through us. That the cross and the resurrection of Christ would be manifested in our lives daily. And that we would live out what we say that we are. And that we would get busy doing something, anything, serving you with all of our hearts. Busy doing something. We are not here on this earth to make money. We are not here on this earth to get jobs. We are not here on this earth to do anything other than serve you. And when we serve you, then we can do everything else. Help us, Father. Bless your people. Get them focused, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.